Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Lightning Insider Podcast. I am Eric Erlinson, your host from Lightning insider.com don't forget we still have a special promo if you want to sign up and subscribe to my website where you can get some more detailed information on what goes on with this team and some insight into what takes place beyond just this podcast if you use the promo podcast when you sign up i'm gonna give you ten dollars off your first year of subscription that's lightninginsider.com you go to the home page the first thing you see is the sliding scale and just click on that and then sign up for the yearly plan again ten dollars off if you use the promo code podcast all right uh lot to digest again here as we are on back-to-back nights with the tampa bay lightning in their second round series against the boston bruins Tampa Bay with a 7-1 to victory. You heard that right. 7-1 to victory over the Boston Bruins in the second night of back-to-backs. You know, they had played on Tuesday. They come back on Wednesday and play again the next night, and it's not an easy situation in the playoffs. It's a little unusual in the postseason, but full marks to the Lightning for taking advantage of that. Um, we're going to talk about the power play tonight how it worked for the first time since the playoffs began. Again, I don't count the round robin in that situation, but in the playoffs, they came in over uh, through their first seven games of the postseason. Uh, really came through tonight. I'm going to give you some really good thoughts on why it worked so well tonight. We're going to talk about a comment that Keith Jones made during the first intermission tonight on the NBC broadcast. Um, something that I think kind of speaks a little too much to the culture of hockey. So I'm going to touch on that a little bit, and we're going to give you the bigger picture of what this result means, the 7-1 to victory that Tampa Bay had tonight. Uh, Nikita Kucherov, by the way, sets a personal uh, playoff record with four points. He had a goal and three assists in this game tonight. And before we get too deep into the other stuff, I'm going to run this stat by him because I hear this a lot. I hear this almost every single playoffs here the last couple of years where I get plenty of people who tell me Nikita Kucherov never shows up for the playoffs. Never shows up. He disappears. You can't find Nikita Kucherov. Well, I'm going to give you the stat, and I know this isn't tell everything about somebody's playoffs, but since 2014, when Kucherov came into the league, the only player, 
the only player who has more points, more playoff points than Nikita Kucherov is Sidney Crosby. Sidney Crosby has 84 points in 86 playoff games since 2014. Nikita Kucherov is second on this list with 75 points in 76 career games. So that's an incredible number. It kind of speaks to uh, how much he uh, shows up in the playoffs. Has there been some instances where maybe he hasn't been, uh, what's the best way to say it, there for certain games? I mean, look, it's, you want to call it recency bias? It's, that's a term. We're going to use recency bias because the fact that the Lightning got shut out in game six and seven against the Capitals in 2018 in the Eastern Conference Finals, that's fair. Struggled last year in the postseason against Columbus, but who didn't, and ended up taking a bad hit that got him suspended for a game. I get it. I get it. Um, but if you want to look at the bigger picture, and I'm, I try to do that a lot, Look at the bigger picture of things with Nikita Kucherov. 75 points in 76 career games. That's almost a point per game performer in the postseason. And I think anybody would take that. You know, this isn't the wide open 80s. You know, you're not getting Wayne Gretzky averaging five points a night. It's an exact exaggeration. He didn't really average five points a night in the postseason. Um, but so that's just a stat I wanted to make sure that. Uh, we kind of got out there because that's going to lead into my first topic, and that is the power play. 0 for 15 heading into tonight's game. Well, Wednesday night's game. And a lot of discussion around it. You knew that you couldn't continue to struggle with the man advantage, that you were going to have to um, make the Bruins pay at some point because the Bruins were scoring on their power play. They had a power play in the first game. Ended up being a one-goal game. That's the difference. They have a power play game in Game 2. Takes you to overtime for Tampa Bay to win an Andre Palat's winner. And then in tonight's Game 2, guess what the Bruins did? They scored their only goal on the power play. So you better, you better not continue to lose that special teams battle. Well, tonight they did not. They had the first power play opportunity. Didn't do a whole lot with it. But then the floodgates opened up. And the floodgates opened up because of something we had talked about on the previous podcast with the change of positions for the players, right? Nikita Kucherov moved over to the left circle, where Steven Stamkos usually is, instead of his spot on the right circle. So Nikita Kucherov is now on the left. Andre Palat is over on the right circle. Sergachev, Mikhail Sergachev still running the center point, and then you still have Alex Kalorn and Braden Point sort of net front bumper position puck retrieval. That's their role on the power play. But what you saw tonight was we talk, you hear the term a lot, quarterback on the power play, right? That means they're the person who's in charge of it. Normally that's the person at the center point. But not all power plays run with a guy at the center point. Some power plays will run from a guy on the half wall. And it's called the half wall because that's where the hash marks are. It's about halfway through the zone. So about halfway down that wall, that's why they call it working off the half wall. When Nikita Kucherov ran the power play tonight, as well as I've ever seen anybody run 
a power play from the half wall position. Because this is what happened. On the first goal, this is Andre Palat's goal that put Tampa Bay ahead. one nothing. It comes in the first period at the 12.46 mark. So there's puck movement. Something that I didn't think they was doing enough of. You got to get the players and the Bruins, you know, their box set up. You got to give them, move them. They got to have some quick puck movement. Sometimes that opens up to seam passes, but other times you just you just make a move looking for an opportunity to shoot a puck without a blocker, somebody to block the shot in front of you. And that happened on the first one. It went from Kucherov on the half wall to Sergachev at the point over to Andre Palat for a one-timer. The puck actually deflected off the stick of Zdeno Chara into the back of the net. So Andre Palat now has his second goal of the playoffs, 12.46 mark. So ends the 0-15 for drought, actually 0-16 for at that point because they had the power play again in the opening minute of the first period. Um, so power play worked there. Yanni Gord scores. 15 seconds later, it's the fastest two goals in Lightning playoff history. Uh, got a little bit of a break as um, Brandon Carlo, I think it was Brandon Carlo, no, Jeremy Lazan, ran into the linesman who set a perfect pick play to allow Gord to get to the net unimpeded, and he scores the goal. Again, two goals, 15 seconds apart. It's 2 nothing. So that carries over into the second period, and this is where the power play really, really came to life, and you could really see the thought process of a guy like Nikita Kucherov because they get the power play opportunity again early in the second period, Patrice Bergeron in the box for high-sticking Andre Palat. And what you saw then these next two goals, they're just, they're so great to talk about because on the first one, again, running the power play from the half wall spot, Nikita Kucherov is over on the wall and he takes the puck down low. Like he is down below the hash marks, almost to the bottom of the circle. And when he does that, that draws the attention. We, we've talked about how much they're keen on Kucherov in these situations. It really draws the attention of the penalty killers down low with them. So now they, they, they tighten that box a little bit. And what does Kucherov do? He sends a puck back to the center slot where Mikhail Sergachev is able, able to take about two or three strides down from the blue line and fire off a one-timer because he's got nobody in front of him. He's got a pretty good lane to shoot the puck. And it was a blistering one-timer, ends up with a back to the net, 214 in. Boston gets a power play goal of their own. For the love of all that is good and evil, could somebody make sure they find where Brad Marchand is hanging out at that post because he did it again, just standing there at the post and um, a, a shot pass from Tory Krug goes off his skates and in the net. So it's a 3-1 game at this point. It's a little over two minutes after Tampa Bay takes a 3-0 lead. So it's a game again, right? Well, this is where the power play once again comes to, I don't want to say the rescue, but really makes their, their stamp on this game. Charlie McAvoy takes a roughing call for trying to go after Nikita Kucherov. And this is why you have to make teams pay. So on this particular goal, Alex Colonna is going to get the goal. It's on a rebound in front. But again, it's all set up from Nikita Kucherov. Because if you go back and you watch the tape, he, he actually starts the play by being outside of the zone. Something you don't see very often on a power play. You see it on occasion. But he exits the zone, and five feet maybe outside the zone, 
circles back. And now all of a sudden, he's coming into the zone. The pass comes back to him. He's got some speed to him. So now the penalty killers have to respect Nikita Kucherov coming at them with some speed. Well, what does he do? Because he comes in with the speed, it again opens up the opportunity for a cross-seam pass to open up. It opens up those lanes that the Bruins are so good at closing down. He gets it over to Palat. Palat gets the shot on goal. Alex Cologne gets the rebound. The three-goal lead is restored. It's 4-1 to at that point, and he just kind of felt the game was over because it wasn't too long after that that the Bruins pulled Yaroslav Halak. And I had this question from Stephanie earlier. He was not pulled because he was playing poorly. He was pulled because they wanted to give him rest. At that point, I think the Bruins realized the game was probably over at that point. There's no reason you're going to need Halak for the rest of the series. So pull him at that point and um, take care of it. So that's what happened, and, and basically the game is over. The Lightning, uh, look, the Bruins did a very poor job of protecting their goalie. This is Dan Vladar. Vladar actually, it's Vladar, I believe is how his name is pronounced. Didn't do a very good job of protecting him because Braden Point scores on a breakaway, and then right at the end of the second period, Yanni Gord gets a breakaway, and though uh, Vladar makes the save, Kalorn is there for the rebound. He pots it in, and then early in the third period, Point and Kucherov have a mini two-on-one, and uh, Kucherov is able to kind of slip the puck through the five-hole. I know there's a question about this a little bit, so I don't want to answer it here. But, um, you know, so 358, it's a 7-1 game. So I think the Bruins kind of knew it was over at 4-1, and they probably knew they didn't have the energy to try and come back down. Uh, even though we've seen three-goal comebacks in this playoffs, uh, including earlier today when the Islanders came down from 3 nothing against the uh, Philadelphia Flyers before the Flyers won that game in overtime. Uh, I think they felt the game was probably over. So that that is the, the change on the power play. We've been looking for it to happen, and it happened in this game, and boy, did they get the results as a pl- power play. They end up on the score sheet 3 for 6, but you scored three straight power play goals, and you made the Bruins pay. If they're going to take penalties, they now have to understand the power play worked this night, and they've got an opportunity to kind of keep it going, um, probably with some of the same looks. But just, again, watching Nikita Kucherov work that power play and what he was able to do with the puck and open up opportunities that just hadn't been there with him over on the circle where it was too easy for the PK to focus in on him and take take him away. They took him away. Well, now with this movement and him working the, off the half wall, it's a different look for the Bruins to see, and they didn't do a very good job of defending it. I expect we'll probably see that again uh, in Friday's Game 4. All right, the second thing uh, I wanted to bring up is the comment that Keith Jones made tonight. Uh, I'm sure some of you on Twitter probably saw it, uh, but if you didn't, there was a situation in the first period of the game where Brandon Carlo, Bruins defenseman, tried to get Anthony Sorelli, goad him into a fight. And Carlo actually dropped his gloves. Sorelli kind of looked at him like, I'm not going. So he just kind of picked up his gloves and went back to play. First of all, that's supposed to be an automatic um, unsportsmanlike misconduct or unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Was not called, play one on. And that's, that's fine. That's not the issue here. When it got to the intermission, 
And Keith Jones, who played the game, and he played the game hard. Uh, I have a lot of respect for guys that have played this game for sure. But when he makes a comment that it's not a good look for Sorelli to not answer the challenge that Carlo put towards him, not a good look. So here's what's happening. Keith Jones is basically challenging Anthony Sorelli's manhood, if you will. Oh, somebody challenges you, have to fight. It's, it's a problem with hockey culture. It's too much of an old school thought in hockey culture that if somebody challenges you a fight, you have to stand up or you are classified as something that I'm not going to say on the show. And I think that's wrong because I look at it from this aspect. First of all, had Carlo been called for a penalty like I should have been, boy, would that have been a smart play. That would have been a brilliant play to get a power play out of it. But they didn't, and that's fine. Anthony Sorelli is a very smart hockey player. He's got no reason to go into a fight in that situation. You know, and look, he was kind of the guy on that game on March 7th that was kind of stirring up the most you-know-what, especially when it came to Marshand. Marshand, I don't know. What's his name this week? So maybe that's in the back of the Bruins' mind, even though that was five months ago. Oh, geez, almost six months ago now. But Anthony Sorelli is a smart, smart player. He understands what his role is on this team. His job is to match up against Patrice Bergeron. And we, we talked about this in the last podcast about how John Cooper trusts his players, even when things may not be going right, to get the job done. So he knows that that's his job. Well, if he gets into a fight, first of all, that takes him off the ice for five minutes. So that's five minutes somebody else is going to have to match up against Bergeron, and we know how dangerous the Bergeron line is. So he doesn't put himself in a situation to take himself off the ice, and he's not unnecessarily risking an injury. His team is already missing Steven Stamkos. They're already missing Ryan McDonough, who again didn't play tonight. So for Keith Jones to call out Anthony Sorelli on national television and say he didn't stand up and honor the code. I think the code in hockey is a bunch of crap. There's no code. You go out and you try and help your team win the game. This is not young blood. Right? He doesn't he doesn't he doesn't owe Brandon Carlo anything. Sorelli didn't do anything that would warrant that he has to stand up for it. And we see this way too many times in hockey now, right? A guy has to stand up for a clean hit because that's the code. I don't like the code. Hate the code. I know a lot of guys today still abide themselves by the hockey code. I didn't like Keith Jones calling out Anthony Sorelli on national TV for that reason. Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is Eric. Uh, all right, the bigger picture situation here. And um, I know uh, somebody who's been asking some questions here uh, of late said he doesn't have a question tonight. I uh, just want to thank you for being a voice of reason when folks start to panic. I value your perspective of highs and lows. So this is uh, at A R N 
DTJC on Twitter. So it didn't ask a question, but this is a good comment because it leads directly into what I'm going to talk about right here and now. This is the playoffs. This is not soccer. There's no aggregate involved. You either win the game or you lose the game. Tonight, the Lightning won the game. The final result doesn't really matter. It's lopsided, pads some stats. It looks good. For those of you who are so emotionally invested, you had to kind of had a little sit back and relax type of third period. Right? So, but that's all this was, was one game. So just as I talked about after game, uh, game one, in the postseason, you can't ride the roller coaster. You can't get too high on the emotions or too low on the emotions. You have to understand it's a series. And that's the same situation here. Seven to one victory. It looks nice, but all that matters is the victory. The Tampa Bay Lightning now have a two to one series lead. And that's all this is, is a two to one series lead. The Boston Bruins are a very, very good team. Yes, they have the star power, and that top line is the best line in hockey, and they ride a lot. If that line's going, it's a good chance the team is going to win. But they don't have, uh, but they have such a discipline approach to their game. They do not beat themselves many nights. Tonight, in some ways, they beat themselves with some of the bad penalties they took, and the Lightning made a pay for it. But for the most part, this is as disciplined a structural team as you're going to find in the NHL. And they will feast on your mistakes. So if you don't make mistakes, you're going to make it harder for the Bruins to win the game. You have to almost, in some ways, outweigh them. So when we get to Friday's Game 4, you have to push this game as far in the rearview mirror to where you can't even see it anymore. You have to put your approach on exactly what is in front of you, and don't think that just because you won a game 7-1 to in Game 3 has zero to do with how Game 4 is going to play out. So this is what I talk about with the emotions. Don't get yourself caught up in every win means you've got the cup coming, every loss means the season is over. It's just one victory, but it was a good one. And there's a lot of stats here. He gave you the one about Kucherov and tying a, or setting a career high with four points. Alex Kalona had three points. Mikhail Sergachev had three points. So, so there's some stat padding going on in this game. And look, the Lightning, they pulled in the reins a little bit. There's no doubt because there's a couple of key things that happen in a game like this. And the first is the ice time. You're on back-to-back nights. You have a blowout game. So this gives you the opportunity to say, oh, I don't know, give Victor Hedman just 18 minutes of ice time and only two shifts in the third period. I I like that. Take some of those heavy minutes away. He's Hedman has been up around 25, 26, 27 minutes most night. Had 57 minutes in the five-overtime game. Played 27 minutes last night because there's no Ryan McDonough. So that gives you an opportunity to really spread out the ice time and take some of that burden away from your top guys. Right? Sorelli only played 15 minutes tonight. Uh, Kucherov, just under 16 minutes. Braden Point, 15 minutes. So your, your heavy minute guys, for the most part, were allowed to kind of maybe take some back because you never know how much you're going to need in reserve in the tank. 
So the less you can play today, maybe the more quality minutes you're going to have later in the series. It's, it's a big factor uh, in a game like this. But again, just kind of keep in mind, all this is is one game. You have a 2-1 series lead, and that's it. Uh, one other thing I wanted to bring up, and this is something to just keep an eye on here, because this is unusual. Talked in the, uh, I think after game one, about Patrice Bergeron, who was 63% in the faceoff circle. He was about 62% in game two. And that's when the Lightning had the matchup situation. So in theory, that should favor Tampa Bay a little bit. Well, guess what? Tonight, score might have dictated some of this. Bergeron only took 10 faceoffs. First of all, he usually takes 60% of their faceoffs. Tonight, he had the fewest of their centers. Because Charlie Coyle, who gets a little bit more ice time because of the score, ends up taking 16. Par Lindholm took 12. David Krejci took 13. So the Lightning actually won the faceoff battle tonight, 55% to 44, uh, 45%. But the thing about Bergeron, who only went 4 for 10, so he's only at 40%. So 10 is a low number. But I looked halfway through the first period. He hadn't taken any. I think at that point in time, there might have been 10, 12 faceoffs, somewhere in that range. He hadn't taken any. And I'm not saying this means anything, but it's something worthwhile to keep an eye on. And look, he, you know, they, the Bruins are able to curtail their minutes on their top guys because Bergeron only played 13 minutes. Brad Marchand only played 15 minutes. David Posternock, who we know is banged up, did get 18 minutes. But it's just something interesting and curious to keep an eye on. All right, let's take uh, questions here, and we will wrap up the show. Uh, we'll be back with um, another podcast after Friday's Game 5. Uh, that game on Friday is scheduled to be a 7.30 start, so just keep that in mind. Friday's Game 4 is a 7.30 p.m. Eastern start. Um, all right, the questions. Let me scroll down here to get to them. Uh, do my best. Uh, from oh, deep questions tonight, guys. I love it. I love it. Um, will lighting ever eclipse their eight goal playoff record? Uh, that obviously came in a little bit earlier uh, from Alex Selivanov. Um, didn't get to it. What was the most lopsided game the Bruins lost this season? Uh, last time they lost in the playoffs by four-plus goals. I don't know the answer to those ones off the top of my head. That's from Jordan Palladino. Um, I do. I did hear the stat that it's the worst playoff loss for the Bruins since 93. I think I read that right. Did I read it? 8-3? I think they lost that game to the Sabres. Uh, again, that's just what I heard at the end of um, the telecast tonight. Uh, I don't know about the Bruins' lopsided one. I'll see if I can get that to you, Jordan, before I sign off here. Uh, from Sharon, who is at BoltsFan2029, did Kucherov just use his little trick shot on that goal? Uh, I don't think he did. I think he had his stick disrupted as he was going to make a move or a shot, uh, and then he was able to kind of get his, his stick at the last second uh, and poke the puck at the end of um, 
the move there. So I don't think it was the Kucherov move that he's done to uh, Brayden Holpe a couple of times and Robin Leonard. Uh, from Tampa Sports Girl, so what did you think triggered the spark of the power play? I touched on that. I think it was the movement and sticking Kucher off over there and letting him run the power play as a quarterback on the half wall. Uh, I thought he did it really, really well. Uh, from Colton, C-O-J-O-S-I-P-11 on Twitter, what does this year's playoff performance so far mean for Tyler Johnson's future with the Lightning? Uh-huh. Oof. I mean, he falls into that range of potential guys that could be moved in the offseason. I know there's a lot of people who want to talk about Seattle coming in the league, the Seattle Kraken coming into the league. That is not going to happen until after next offseason. So there are cap issues and, and, and contract issues. The Lightning are going to have to deal with this offseason, which will be in October. Um, so he just falls into that range. I don't think that these whatever moves the Lightning are going to have to make this summer are going to fall into the performance category. I think they're going to be um, more business-related and contract-related. Does performance tie into it a little bit? Potentially. Um, but there's still uh, some playoffs to go, so we'll see how that shakes out for uh, Tyler Johnson. Uh, from Kevin, when did Nesson take over for NBC? I'm used to the bias, but my goodness, this is bad. Yeah, I noticed that, especially towards the end of the game. All they started talking about, what did the Bruins have to do to bounce back, uh, rather than talking about what the Lightning did, did uh, right tonight. I, I, I wish I had a good answer for you, Kevin, uh, but I, I don't. Um, again, remember, for years, I was at these games, so I wasn't able to hear some of what a lot of people would talk to me about. Um, but it, it's, it is noticeable, I think, in some ways. I think there's more what went wrong for the other team than what went right for the Lightning when you're t- t- sort of analyzing things a little bit. Um, some praise for Tampa tonight, but not as much as you would think for a team that won a game 7-1. to uh, From Stephanie, if McDonough is ready to go for Game 4, do you still think that they go 11-7? and And if so, who do you sit? Um, well, if McDonough is healthy... And that's a big question mark, obviously. Uh, I think you go back to 12-6, and six, most likely. Um, but we'll see. And if, it, if they do stick to 11-7, and seven, uh, well, it's a tough one. I've, I've liked how both Shannon and Coburn have played. But I think if you sort of looked at the depth chart, um, I would have Coburn just ahead of Shen. I know there's some, including, I think, Fabio, if he's listening, probably disagree with me there. Um, but I would put Coburn just slightly ahead. So if we're talking, taking one of them out, it's probably going to be Luke Shen. Uh, from Volti, love this, uh, V-O-L-T-T-Y-Y underscore. Do you think Tampa is more effective running 11-7 and seven as opposed to 12-6? and six? It's a small sample size, but I personally like the mix-up of forwards and defensemen. I'm a fan of 11-7. and seven. I'm not a fan of 11-7 and seven all the time because it, it can tax your forwards maybe a little bit more. Uh, it gets your defense out of rhythm a little bit because you're used to rolling six and it's, it's set pairs sometimes. And now you've got to find a way to rotate in that seventh guy. So there are disadvantages to an 11 and seven format. 
I think when this team was fully healthy, and we know they're not right now because they're missing Steven Stamkos, I think one of their strengths is their depth on forward. I think when they're fully healthy, they're a much better 12-6 and six team. Uh, again, I like the matchup situation it can create and the opportunities to get some of your top guys out there uh, for some additional uh, double shifting. Uh, it can create a matchup issue in your favor. Um, so I, to me, I think this team is better suited 12-6, and six, but there are times that uh, I like the 11-7, and seven, and certainly it's paid off here in games two and three. Uh, from Hockey Bryant, uh, why does the national broadcast have such an issue with continuing to focus on original six teams, bigger market teams, and old-time hockey versus being able to celebrate good players on non-traditional market teams? The third period commentary was egregiously one-sided. Uh, yeah, I am not a fan of this whole romantic idea of the original six. Can we just do away with it, please? It's been 40 years. It's been more than 40 years since the league has expanded from the original six. Can we please move along from that? I don't understand the romance with it that the league still has. There's even still hats. Original six hats. Oh, the mystique of the original six. Not a fan of it. Uh, the bigger markets, uh, that's a television thing. Right, like they're chasing ratings. The rate, the higher the ratings, the more they can charge advertisers. The more money they can make back from the money that they paid to the league to broadcast their games. So uh, I don't, I don't know why. I, I've said this many, many times before. The league, the NHL, thrives despite those who run it. And I don't think they do a very good job of marketing things. And I saw this back in 2004 when Marty St. Louis was going from an undrafted. Um, unwanted player to a league MVP, an undersized player. I thought his story should have been pushed out there so everywhere. But the NHL does not like pushing individual stories. They like pushing teams and markets. That's why you see the Buffalo Sabres on national TV so much. They have the longest playoff drought in, any, in the NHL and currently. But they're on national TV all the time because what do they bring in? They bring in ratings. Uh, from Brandon McClellan. Coaster ball on Twitter. Uh, what do the Bolts let, or why? Well, why do the Bolts let Marshan just sit next to the right post? They have been burned three times. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks for the question, Brandon. Uh, excellent question. Once bitten, twice shy. What does that mean? The third time, I, I, I don't know. He Marshan just does very good getting lost behind the net and then finding his way to the post. And we've seen it. Alex Kalornis forgot he was there. Anthony Sorelli's forgot he was there. Victor Hedman was. Forgot he was there. You have to be so aware of where he is, and certainly the Lightning haven't learned their lesson. You just got to have to put your head on a swivel, don't watch the puck so much, and understand who's behind you because he's so dangerous there. Um, from our friend P-R-Z-E-M-E-K underscore D-Z, uh, two short questions. Is Cooper safe now? Uh, look, you're only three games into round two. You have a 2-1 series lead. Uh, it's You can't judge anything right now and where the team is at. Uh, but I've said it before, I think John Cooper has done his best coaching job this year with what the team struggled through early on and what they did over the summer to try and readjust and tweak some things. They didn't blow it up like a lot of people wanted, uh, but they tweaked some things. I think you've seen some adjustments here in the playoffs that I think are paying dividends. Uh, I think you're seeing John Cooper's best coaching job this year. Uh, if Tampa does advance to the next round, what team is a better matchup? Uh, I just want to know who to cheer for in the other series. I hope in game four we won't play sloppy because they won tonight 7-1. to one. Uh, 
I don't know who's necessarily the better matchup. I think the Flyers have more dangerous players. But I think the Islanders have played as the best team in this playoffs. They have played as the best team in this playoffs. And the Islanders can be a frustrating team to play against, as frustrating as it was against the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Islanders can be just as frustrating because they pack it in on their own end as well. But they counter better than the Blue Jackets do. They have more speed than the Blue Jackets do. Um, so you have to really be play a patient, patient game against the Islanders. I don't know which one is necessarily the better matchup, but I know the Islanders, I think, are playing as the best team right now. Uh, from Bob, uh, as you've been in a room a lot after games like this, what do coaches say to a lopsided winning team or avoid overconfidence going into the next game? Or is it not needed at this level? Expect Boston to come out with foaming mouths Friday after an embarrassment. Yep, that's why I said this is just one game. There's no aggregate score here. You just won a game. Doesn't matter how you won it. Last night it was an overtime one goal game, 4-3. Tonight it's 7-1. Doesn't mean you've won the last two games by a combined 11-4 score. It just means you've won both those games. You don't really need to say anything. I think there's a lot of mutual respect between the Bruins and the Lightning, as emotional as some of these games have been, as this little bit of a rivalry has sort of uh, bubbled up here. Um, I'm sure they will, and they're aware of it. If you listen to the post-game press conferences tonight, I sort of asked both John Cooper and Alex Kalorn the same question, and even John Cooper said it. Tonight was an aberration. It was an aberration. This is the first game that the Lightning have played in the playoffs to this point that has not been decided by a goal. That's so you have to expect closer games, tighter games. The Bruins are going to be much better, and the Lightning understand that. Um, from Evgeny Lightning fan, who's one Bolt Nation, uh, I have more of a statement than a question, but was hoping to hear your thoughts on this. Boston can't hang with the Lightning five on five. They don't have enough depth outside the Berger online. This series could be three nothing if the Bolts didn't take silly penalties in Game One. Well, the Lightning could have done themselves better with a better start in Game One. Certainly the Bruins scored their power play goal, uh, ended up being the difference in the game. But I agree with you. And before the uh, series started, I asked John uh, John Cooper that exact question. How important is it for the Lightning to keep this series five on five? And I I don't think the, the, the Bruins have the depth to skate with the, with the Lightning when it's a five on five game. I think we've seen that specifically in these last two games. They can't do it. They thrive on their power play, and they thrive on turnovers, especially with that top team on the ice. That's how they scored their third goal in game one was a turnover. If you don't feed the Bruins, you're going to have a better chance to win the game. Keep it five on five and don't turn over the puck. I think the Lightning easily win this series. Put the Bruins on the power play too much, they're going to burn you. They've scored three power play goals already in this series. Almost identical goals. So uh, I totally agree that if the Lightning keep this, this series at 5-on-5 five five as much as possible, I think it benefits them more than it certainly does the Bruins. And the last question from Lee Encinoza, what is the number of games a player needs to play to have his name on the cup? This is a question that comes up uh, every year about this time. The standard is if, if you appeared in at least half of the regular season games or one game in the Stanley Cup final. That's usually the criteria for it. So, uh, long way to go before we get there, but it is uh, something to kind of think about no matter who wins the Stanley Cup 
this year. All right, that's going to wrap it up. I know we've kind of gone uh, a little long tonight with all the questions, but I love the questions. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'll be back again with a post-game podcast after Game 5 on Friday. So, again, that's a 7.30 p.m. start. Uh, Boston Bruins and Tampa Bay Lightning. The Lightning now lead the series two games to one, but expect a much different-looking Boston Bruins team on Friday night. Uh, Thanks everyone as always for the questions. Make sure you check out my website, lightninginsider.com. Make sure you hit review, share, five-star review on this on Apple, especially if you're listening to it on Apple. That goes a long way in helping this podcast grow. So any of that that you can do, I truly, truly appreciate it. Thanks as always for the support and I'll be back on Friday. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.